There's a bunch of Kedoshim. A bunch of Kedoshim has certain directives that are difficult for us to understand uh, about human relations. About human relations. The first, the first is Lotisna et Achicha Bilvavecha. You should not despise your brother in your heart. I mean, it's not clear exactly what you did or what you did wrong. I mean, as long as you keep it to yourself. I mean, like, um, doesn't everybody despise somebody? I mean, isn't that sort of regular? Anyway, that's what the Torah says. Lotus and etamitecha. Uh, you should, if you find some blemish in the person that you are relating to, you have to tell them, you know, that they have to improve, that they have to change. So, it's not sure whether these two parts of the Pasuk have anything to do with each other. Like, don't keep it to yourself. Or, are they two different things that don't really have anything to do with each other? It's hard to, uh, it's hard really to understand. Rashi says, Lotisa alav, I'm sorry, the next part of the Pasuk, Lotisa alav, hate, you should uh, bear the burden of his transgression. Which you should tell him. Right? Rashi says, Lotisa alav, hate, you shouldn't, Rashi says, Lotal bin et panavar abin, don't embarrass him. Don't tell everybody what he did. There's some kind of, um, like the Torah is very concerned about how you deal with what you see, with the people you are surrounded by. Uh, how you, you know, when do you give in, and when do you, when do you have to uh, uh, reprove, in order to make sure that people understand that what they did was wrong. Okay. I mean, so it's like a positive, it's a mystery. The next pasuk is Lotikov Lotitorat Benamecha. Okay, Lotikov Lotitor. You should not. What what is uh, these like hard words? Tikov Titorat. Tikov is Nikama. Nikama means that I take revenge. He did it to me. I do it to him. Lotitor is a little harder to understand. It's not a word that we use so frequently. Right? We, in modern day uh, parlance. So, Nikama means don't do to them what they did to me. And Nitira is a little bit less obvious. But let's look at Rashi. Rashi says this Lotiko mamalo hashileni magalcha. I say to I say to my fellow, uh, lend me your uh, a magal is like a sith sickle sickle sith. I one of those things that you work with, right? A tool. Give me a tool. A malo laughs. He says no. I don't want to give it to you. And then the other guy. Uh, the first, uh, the bad guy says to the good guy, "Could you lend me your uh, your shovel, your pick, your axe? You know, lend me something." I'm not going to lend it to you, just like you didn't lend it to me. Zohi nikima. 
So Rashi says that this is revenge. This is lotikom. What is lotikom? So what does that word mean? Rashi says. Story starts the same way. You know, lend me your lend me your axe. And he says, no, I don't want to. And the next day, he says to the first guy, like, let me borrow your axe. Right? The word magalcha, we're not translating here. And he says to me, okay, here, I'm giving it to you, but I just want you to know that I'm not like you. You wouldn't lend it to me, but I'm not like that. I am happy to lend it to you. You didn't lend it to me. That's what nitira means. Nitira is to uh, to keep it, to keep it in you, right? Even though you didn't take revenge, but you but you let out the hate anyway. You say, "Oh, you're a terrible person." Here's my here's the axe you wanted. You terrible person. So there's something here, there's something here and, 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 and these psukim that, that uh, seems that the Torah recognizes the fact as the Gemara says that words can kill. You know, when you, you brand somebody, when you brand somebody in a negative way, I mean, it's very hard for them to, uh, to get out of it. I mean, what do you do if you talk Lashon Hara? I mean, that's what these chukim also are talking about. But well, you remember, what, what, what happens you talk about And then you are contrite. And you do tshuva. And you klop al chaytz, you know, for all of your kippur. So, so you assume that you can get atonement for what you did. Unfortunately, it doesn't go away. And it was the sin of Lashon HaRa is not so much that you did it, for that you can assume that there is some method of atonement. But the sin of Lashon Hara, the sin of all these things that we're talking about in these psukim, is that it doesn't go away. And there is no way to compensate. You can't compensate for defamation of character. It's, you know, like, like today, you hear about something, so you Google it. That Google tells you everything about that person from the time of the creation of the world. Nothing ever disappears. It's always there. So they say, and then he was accused of this. And then he was accused of that. What do you mean he was accused of? Is that a, a real or is that an imagined? So Google is a participant in the ongoing Lashon Hara. It never stops. Never stops. Lashon Hara then becomes history. That's what we call history. Lashon Hara. So this is the Torah here is, is relating, is relating to the problems of, of, of defamation of character. Like you're going to say to somebody, okay, here you could have the axe, but remember, and everybody standing around is listening, you didn't lend me something when I asked you for it. So of course, that sticks. There's nothing you can do. You got nothing you can do. So it's finished. If, if you don't say anything, then it's not Nithira, but you feel it in, inside. 
I suppose it is, but but we can't we can't. The Torah didn't answer uh, feelings. It, it just said that if you act in a certain way, you create a situation that can't be undone. That seems to be what the Torah is saying. Of course, you should assume, well, we'll see in a minute. And there should be assumed that there are other people present. There what? There are other people present. It was just you and the other guy, and since you didn't listen to me yesterday, but nevertheless, here it is. There were always other people present. In this, in this particular... Because, because the other guy will go on and say, you know what he said? You know what he said when he gave me this action? There's nothing, there's no secrets. There are no secrets. Well, let me say, it's very hard to create a secret. Yeah, dude, I understand, but there's always somebody behind the bookcase. Okay. Right? Like, in, it, it's always everything okay. comes out. Doesn't it all come out? Even the, you know, military secrets and uh, okay. political secrets. It all, you know, it all comes out, and it comes out in odd ways. So that's loti kovu loti torit benei mecha. And then the part of the pasuk that we are interested in, I think I'll pause for a minute. Apparently the Arizal, the Arizal said that when you get up in the morning, the first thing that you should say is, And so if those of you, I mean, I know, I remember in the 60s, you know, before the art scrolls, Sidurim, Everybody in Yerushalayim, all the kids in Yerushalayim to show up with a Tehillat Hashem Siddur, the Chabad Siddur, because they were free. And one of the first things that kids learn is free is good. So they all had this Siddur. You know, they had the Tehillat Hashem Siddur, I know because I saw before in my life, so about the 60s. Yes, I was alive at that time. I think a little more alive than I am now. <laughs> but uh, uh, I looked at the sitter and said, There it was, right at the beginning of the sitter. Every day, that's what you're supposed to say. So uh, the, the, the Arizal had a perception of things, which had ultimately a tremendous influence on Am Yisrael. Why? How it happened? Why did everybody pay attention to the Arizal? I don't know. I mean, I wish I knew, but I really don't know. I don't know why the Arizal was uh, as influential as he was. You know, he died very young. He was in Tzfat for a very short period of time. And somehow, he managed to galvanize the community of people around him so profoundly that every word he said and every idea that he had became the subject of discourse. And those discourses were inherited by Am Yisrael, even those who claim that they're not Hasidim and that they are not Kabbalists and they're not into... But, but he did things. He, he, you know, he, made, he made it necessary for us to reconsider and one of the things that he re- demanded that we reconsider is this notion of which he felt had been overlooked, forgotten, put aside. And why is that? Because we look at the Rashi. Rashi says, Do you imagine that? This means, the words mean, Omar Rabbi Akiva, 
that we know. Now what could that possibly mean? So you all know, you remember the story of Hillel and Shammah. Right? You know the story of Hillel and Shammah, Shabbos, the Gemara and Shabbos, the potential proselyte came to Shammah and said, teach me the whole Torah while I'm standing on one foot. Right? Shammah thought that he was a uh, irreverent, took something in his hand and whacked him and chased him out of his yeshiva. So then he was indefatigable, he, the proselyte. And so he went to Hillel. So he said, Hillel, teach me the Torah while I'm standing on one foot. Now, I don't know about this proselyte, I don't know what was going on, why he wanted to learn the Torah standing on one foot. I mean, but obviously... It was not an easy undertaking to teach somebody the entire Torah while standing while he was standing on one foot. So Hillel said in Aramaic, Mandasanilah, whatever is despised or hated by you, don't do to others. Which most people take as being a kind of a Aramaic translation of the Ahaptalurayachatanik. And that eventually Several hundred years, years later, Rabbi Akiva summarized Hillel's position by saying, Ze klal gadol batorah. So, Ze klal gadol batorah means that it means everything. That if you could do this one mitzvah of a haftalorecha kamocha, Ze klal gadol batorah, Rabbi Akiva said, Rashi said, it's based on Hillel's position. That somehow Bahaftal Recha Kamocha tells you everything about the Torah, everything about Yiddishkeit. All you have to learn, once you got that straight, the Idach Zil just go and learn the rest, that's fine. So it was Rabbi Hillel didn't say you don't have to learn the rest of the Torah. Hillel didn't say you don't have to do the rest of the other mitzvot. He just said that if you have this one straight, you have this one mitzvah straight, then everything else falls into place and everything else is. Uh, is understandable. Now, this, this position, Hillel, Rabbi Akiva, Rashi, this position, that all you have to do is, uh, is do it, and then everything else falls into place, is disputed by the Ramban. Right? The Ramban says, let's look at the Ramban. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban says this, Haflaga. The word haflaga means exaggeration. It's an exaggeration. It's it's not real. No such thing as haflaga. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means something else. What is this something else that it means? Kilo yikabel leiva adam sheyehovet chaverol kavato. That's that mashubut nafsho. Here you go. The Ramban who was a mystic, knew the Kabbalah, commented in Kabbalistic ways in his commentary on the Torah. Here, he's a regular kind of psychologist. He says, what does this mean? How could the Torah ask me to love my neighbor as myself? Everybody understands that I love myself more than I love anybody else. Now, 
But those of you who have like psychological backgrounds may want to argue with the Ramban about this. But that's what he says. The Ramban says that people tend to love themselves more than they love anybody else around them. And therefore, is It's just an exaggeration. It doesn't mean what it says. So you know, theologically, the Ramban is placed us in kind of a strange position. Because the Ramban says the Torah can come and tell you to do something, but it doesn't really mean it. It doesn't really mean it. If the Torah would tell me to like, jump off the roof, that they would say, well, the Torah didn't mean jump off the roof. The Torah tells you, the Ramban says, doesn't mean it. It's haflaga. So I go on a little further in the Ramban. So you know the Gemara, they have this, uh, this issue about two people, and they're out in the desert, and they have enough water for one of them to live. Right? If they divided the water up between the two of them, they would both die. So, so how do you do it? What do you do? What's the... So Rabbi Akiva said, that in such a situation... In such a situation, you have to take care of yourself before you take care of the other person. Right? It's like uh, like on the plane. You know, they always say, first you put the mask on over your head, and then over the face of the children. Right? Which I guess is the shot in the puzzle. No. No? No, because if you already lose conscious, you can't put the mask for a child. So you have to... Ah... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought I knew I that. Guess, I guess you didn't. <laughs> anyway, so Rabbi Akiva said, So, uh, the Ramban said, it's obvious. Even Rabbi Akiva said it. Even Rabbi Akiva said, Zeklal Gadol Torah. Remember Rashi? Rabbi Akiva said, Zeklal Gadol Torah. It sounds like it means, you should do it. You should always do it. Right? Zeklal Gadol Torah. Same Rabbi Akiva said, Chayecha Kodmin Okay. Let's look at the Rambam before we go back to the Rambam. See, the Rambam is on the bottom of the page. The Rambam in the Yarech Hazakah, the Rambam in his, the Rambam in his, halachic, uh, his halachic work says the following. Mitzvah. Mitzvah. You know what a mitzvah is according to the Rambam? That it's one of the Tariyad, one of the 613 mitzvot. And one of the 613 mitzvot, which is directed to us in the Torah. Every mitzvah, according to the Rambam, has a root in the Torah. Has a root in the Torah, that's why he wouldn't include, say, lighting Hanukkah candles as a, as a mitzvah. Even though others might. It's not clear that there's a difference between saying something's a mitzvah min Torah. And some of mitzvah mid Of course, you know, if you have difficulty doing one or the other, there might be a different, the psak might be different, but a priori, if there's no issue, then you're just as obliged to do a mitzvah de Rabbanan as you're obliged to do a mitzvah min Torah. There's no, there's no real difference. So the Rabban says mitzvah. I'll call a dam lehovet kol achad vechad misrael kigufo. So now the Ramban lived after the Rambam. But you can see that the Ramban must have known the Rambam. The, the, Rambam. the Ramban says, no, you can't do that. 
no one can love his fellow as he loves himself. And that's exactly what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, Mitzvah, kol adam, behovet, kol echad, vechad, mi Yisrael, kigufo. Shneemar, vahavta, lerecha, kavoha. That's pretty clear. Shneemar, vahavta, lerecha. But when you put the Rambam against the Ramban, and I like close my eyes and I try to think, who am I? Am I a Rambam person? I mean, not, I don't mean like. I mean, Am I the person that the Rambam is talking about? Or am I the person the Ramban is talking about? I think most people, I have not counted that, or made a survey, but people said talk like that, right? Most people would probably find themselves in the camp of the Ramban. It would be very easy for me to say, well, I, you know, when, the, well, when push comes to shove, I like myself better than I like other people. And, and, and the Ramban, the Ramban, this creative shot of the Ramban makes the Pasuk difficult. Makes it difficult, I'd say, whereas the less creative shot of the Rambam makes the Pasuk very easy. Do it. Do it. That's what the Rambam says. You have to talk about the good things of the other person. You have to build them up. And you have to you have to worry about his money just as you'd worry about your own reputation and your own finances. Just as he is watchful on his own money and seeks honor for himself, and that's the beginning of the Pasuk that we saw. Right? Anybody who acts in such a way that the Torah prohibits, if you look at Halacha Vav, Kishayachta Ish Ish, this is the other pasuk that we learned. Yachta Ish Ish, Lo Yistemenu Vishtok Kimoshinemar Birshaim, Velo Deber Abshalom et Abnon Meuma, the Merav Atov Kisane Abshalom et Abnon. Even though we hated each other, Abshalom et Abnon, he didn't express anything. Ela mitzvah alav lahodio v'lomalo lama asita likafukach. He's explaining the pasuk, right? The pasuk yud zayin lotisnata chicha belvavech ha'ocheach tochia. Right. In other words, you have to you have to uh, um, rebuke him. You have to uh, uh, rebuke him. Ela mitzvah alav lahodio v'lomalo lama asita likafukach v'lama chatata li. That's our pasuk. If he uh, he asks for forgiveness, he has to forgive him. And the person who forgives should not be a despicable kind of person. That uh, that I've that Avinu tried uh, to do that uh, as well. 
So you have, um, according to the Rambam, according to the Rambam, a directive. You should, you should love your uh, fellow as you love yourself, but uh, maybe it's not what the Rambam really thinks. He just says that. And the reason that I, that I point this out is that there's another mitzvah of love that the Rambam feels is very important, and that's Abba Sashem. Everybody knows there's a mitzvah of Ava, of love of God, and a mitzvah of Yira, a mitzvah of Yira, fear of God. And it's hard for us to, uh, to see what the parameters of a successful Ohev Hashem might be. Because when it comes to Vahavtalarech it sounds like I could figure it out. I should be Chasam Mamono. I have to worry about his money, I have to worry about his cover, I have to worry about his standing. That's called Ava. Because Ava is not a, 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 an emotional a connection to another person. But it's functional. I, I do the in a way, in a special way. When it comes to Abbas Hashem, I mean, what is Abbas Hashem? What is Abbas Hashem? If Abbas Hashem was do the mitzvot, do everything that God commands you to do, okay, then I can understand that, that Abbas Hashem is a kind of a, a cumulative way, a, a way of saying, a way of saying, serve God. And how do you serve God? Whatever God told you to do, I mean, that's what you do. That's Abbas That's what we might say. But that's not what the Rambam says. The Rambam says that Abbas Hashem is a separate mitzvah and has nothing to do with any other mitzvah. You could shake a lulav, you could eat a matzah, you could, uh, you could uh, uh, daven three times a day or more, and that none of that equals Avat Hashem. According to the Rambam, Hilchot Yisodei HaTorah, Perik Bet, the Rambam says, Avat Hashem, and I was, yeah, I understand, a lot of these concepts are retro-human concepts. Like, like, where do we learn about how we relate to God? I mean, I mean, what could be the source of the teaching of how to relate to God in any particular situation? It must be the way we relate to each other. The way we relate to each other so that would turn out to be a, an indicator about how to perform the mitzvah of Avat Hashem. Now what does the Rambam say about Avat Hashem? What is it that enables me to create Avat Hashem? The Rambam says, science. You look at the world. You look at the way the world runs. And you say, all this wisdom, all this understanding, all this creativity, all this remarkable uh, uh, conflation of processes, of chemical processes, physical processes, wow, God must really love us. Now this is very similar to the conclusion that children come to necessarily about their parents. Right? Their parents... I mean, provide for them. They help them. They do things for them. And therefore, that creates a relationship called Ava, according to the Rambam. Now, it's true that sometimes parents and children have a rough patch, but even those children who like, had like a difficulty growing up, which is very popular today, 
uh, like if you didn't have difficulty, you're not like for real. So even even those uh, e- e- even those children that had difficulties, you know, when they get older and older and older, they suddenly find themselves doing things in the way their fathers did it or the way their mothers did it. It's very odd. It's very odd. But people start imitating their parents. And they don't know that they imitate or they don't really think about it too much until somebody points it out to them. But the love that children have for their parents, which is based on what the parents provided for the children, that kind of love is very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult to overlook and to deny. So that, according to the Rambam, the Rambam doesn't say this, the Rambam only says the second part. According to the Rambam, if you look at the world, at, at how much Chochmah, our divine intelligence, went into the creation of the world, You've got to be astounded at the amount of love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, uh, passed on to his creation. The love that God had for his creation, the created is represented by the quality of the world that was created. So that the Avas Hashem, Avas Hashem is a natural reaction to looking. Just look around. Just see what's going on in the world and you're going to be in love with the one who created it all, made it all possible, did it all. But you have to understand that even though the Rambam says this, even though the Rambam says this, Abbas Hashem has a sliding component. I mean, it's probably true that someone who knows nothing about the world that was created nothing scientific I mean I'm sure there are other factors so don't so I give in already before you ask but but if a person knows nothing about the created world he's losing an opportunity to develop within him this notion that God loves us and therefore give him the opportunity to do the mitzvah of Avat Hashem now this is called in philosophy this is a, a, a value-ethical system. In other words, I don't love God because it's a mitzvah to love God. I love God because it's the only reasonable thing to do. It's the only thing that makes sense. Now, there may be things connected to others Hashem that I do before I fully understand, but that's all right. As long as I get according to the Rambam, to the point of Avas Hashem. So, if a person knows nothing about the world that was created, so I would imagine that his opportunity for Avas Hashem is a little bit less. And people who are, again, don't make a mistake, I'm not saying that scientists become religious people. I did not say that. I said religious people who know science can enhance through that science can enhance the notion of Avas Hashem. That's what I said. It's not, it doesn't make Bali Tshuva, it doesn't do anything, anything like that. Right? People are people. But if you have a religious inclination, and if you're interested in developing it, then the science for that person is a tremendous aid, this ability to look at the world and to see what's going on in the world is 
is quite remarkable. So you see from this discussion that there could be a mitzvah that has a sliding uh, uh, value. Because not everybody does it the same way. Not everybody achieves the same level of intensity. Not everybody loves his parents the same way as somebody else loves his parents. But everybody has that challenge. And so when the Ramban says, when the Ramban says, you look at the Ramban, and the Ramban says, uh, Says when the Ramban says, when the Ramban says, doesn't really exist. We're not really like that. But we can be lovers, as the Ramban, Ramban explains further on, we can be lovers of our fellow men. We can be concerned about them. We can be careful about their property, their money, their kavod, their honor. We can do all of those things. Maybe not in an ultimate way. Maybe we can't get to the, to the last stage, go to the final stage where, where everything, everything I have and everything I think of my neighbor is exactly the same. I can't get to that. But that's the mitzvah, that's the nature of the mitzvah of Abba. Everybody in their own lives, everybody in their own lives knows that, the, that they've had moments of, of great love. But things happen and, and, and we're overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by the, the love, you know, of, of Shir Hashiri. Uh, it happens, you know, it happened. That a moment, and that moment generally wanes. It doesn't stay with that same intensity. It goes and it comes and it goes and it comes. And so when the Ramban says, when the Ramban says there's tremendous stability in the love a person has for himself, and that kind of stability doesn't exist in the love a person has for somebody else, but that doesn't mean that you can't achieve love for another person from time from time to time. So this is what... This is what the, uh, the distinction, I think, between the Rambam and the Ramban is. The Rambam says here in Ilchot, uh, here in Ilchot, uh, he says in Ilchot Yot that Vahaftal Recha Kamocha means literally Vahaftal Recha Kamocha. But when the Rambam discusses the mitzvah of Avas Hashem, then the, the Rambam says, the Rambam says, Avas Hashem is variable. It's not the same for everybody. It's not the same achievement for everybody. So that that, I mean, that you might understand from that Rambam that you have to work at it. You know, there are things you have to work at. You know, uh, more or less we all assume that if we eat the matzah on Pesach, we, we did it. But you did the mitzvah. I mean, you, you, know, you don't feel uh, badly about not, not eating the mitzvah, the matzah properly. You know, you do with a... You look in the Haggadah, it says, this is what you do, and you do it. But when it comes to Abbas Hashem, we know, it's like, like thinking about Kavanah. Thinking about Kavanah, that, that we, don't always, we don't always achieve what we like to have thought that we could achieve. And we have this, we have this problem, there's always this disparity between an imagined, something we imagine, and something that we actually, that we're actually able to 
able to do. So the Ramban said, talking about the Pasuk, it said, it's a kind of a goal. It's kind of something that we're interested in, that we are, are, are pushing ourselves towards. But it is not, it is not something that is always achievable. In fact, the Ramban is willing to say that for most people, it's unachievable. It can't happen. It's not going to happen. That's what the, uh, that's what the Ramban says. Okay, so this is, uh, this is what I have to say about Vahaptulurecha Kabocha. I think that the, uh, that the uh, Arizal, uh, the Arizal who, who had a special feeling for Kavana, for intention. You know that, uh, uh, there, there are these Kabbalistic notes that appear at this time of the year, right? In the Haggadah, we say, some people say, so it's printed in small print, sort of to give you the option of avoiding it. Hinini, Muchan, Mezumian, Lekayim, Kosheni, Mi'araba, Kosov, you know that? I mean, it's in every, I think almost every Hakoda. It has, you know, you can see that the, uh, uh, that the uh, Arizal had this tremendous impact. When Chazal, when Chazal created Brachot, when Chazal created Brachot, so they, what they meant was, what they meant was, you have to think for a second before you do whatever you're going to do. Even it's a birkata mitzvah, birkata ne'enem, you have to stop, you say, which means, I am reminding myself that I'm about to do a mitzvah, which Chazal thought was a necessary component in, in doing a mitzvah. Because if you would just eat the matzah, I mean, you know, probably everybody would be kind of hungry at that time having, you know, done the Seder for as long as you might, and you just eat, gobble up the matzah. So Chazal said, no, we don't want you to gobble up the matzah, we want to say a brocha. But by the time of the Arizal, the brachot themselves became a part of the, what well, well, became regular. You know, you ever see little kids say brachot? I mean, like, they have the piece of chocolate. There's no difference in the amount of time it takes to get the chocolate into their mouths with a bracha and without a bracha. It's exactly the same. So that, that the Arizal perceived that the brachot were not doing it, so to speak. That you weren't, like the, the additional, the additional kind of kavana that was supposed to be inspired by brachot just wasn't doing it. So he said, we're going to do this now. We're going to say, we're going to say what it is that we're about to do before we do the mitzvah. It was like double jeopardy. And everybody understood. And everybody understood that this was, uh, this was the right thing to do. So, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's on the Seder. When it came to Surat Omer, it worked out a little bit differently. Uh, even though, Sviyat HaOmer and most Sidurim start with a, uh, a long paragraph which explains what it is we are going to do. 
which is the Kaddish Riyat We say that before the bracha, which you would think also explains what it is we're going to do, but as I've just told you, it's never enough, right? The bracha wasn't enough, the explanation wasn't enough, and now, in modernity, in our, in our day, there is this uh, dispute going on between those who want to sing that paragraph, because it has a catchy tune that is... Uh, I mean, I could sing it for you, but uh, I don't think I want to... It is a catchy tune. And then there are the yeshiva guys who don't sing it because they heard someplace that the Noda Behuda, who was a great rabbinic scholar, uh, didn't like it. And in fact, in shul, when he was in shul, he didn't allow uh, a shalich tzibur to say it. How he did that exactly, I'm not sure. But in any event, anyway, this is like come down in one of like the essential Jewish issues. <laughs> so we finish with the Palestinians and we, uh, we'll get the same committee to decide if we should sing or skip it entirely and go right on to the bracha. Um, uh, but the point is, the point is that people had lost the ability to consider what they were about to do. And that's what we call kavanah. Kavanah doesn't mean that you're up in heaven someplace. Being up in heaven someplace is also good. But that's not what Kavanah is. Kavanah is just that I know what it is I'm about to do. So if I have to eat a matzah, I, eat, I have to know I have to eat the matzah because God wants me to eat the matzah. And if I count Sviat Omer, it's because God wants me to count Sviat Omer. So I say a bracha. And that's what the bracha says, right? Sivanu. Vitzivano, that's like a critical word here. Al Sriata Omer. So that 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 that's how we uh, that's how Chazal solved the problem, but that's how the Arizal solved the problem. And when it came to Bahaptal Recha Kamocha, the Arizal apparently thought that people had lost the ability to concern themselves about Bahaptal Recha Kamocha. And therefore and therefore the Arizal posited that everybody should say every morning in davening, the first thing you say in the davening, the first thing, and that's how it became represented in all uh, the sedurim that have some kind of Kabbalistic connection, like the uh, the Chabad Tilat Hashem Siddur, which starts off with Okay, have a good Shabbos.